three. Okay. Welcome to Almost World Podcast. This is Elmo Dur Jr., your host, and I am with my awesome friend Kevin Francis. Kevin, can you introduce yourself? Elmo, it's a pleasure having you. And you know, you you show must be doing really, really, really good because you you kept like the bottom of the barrel guest for last at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so he must have had over good guest before. So. Thank you so much for thinking of the little guy like myself. No, dude, you're not a little guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, as you said, I'm, I'm, my name is Kevin Francis. I am the main host of the podcast called Left of the Valley, broadcasting out of the beautiful British Columbia in Canada. As a show, uh, make sure uh, everybody gets a, a fair share. So uh, most of the time we have a... Um, Radio-based interview uh, style show program, and usually interview either a podcaster, a scientist, or an author. You know, we try to bring positive uh, messages into the world, debunking myths and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, dude, can I request something? Like, um, can, can we stop okay. video because <laughs> the internet in my country is okay. Cool. Yeah. Anyway, so um, yeah, Kevin, uh, I no, I no. I have fallen in love with your show, and I'm like looking forward to the re relaunch that you mentioned. And I just want to ask then, um, mm -hmm. wh why are you an atheist? Well, that's a good question indeed, isn't it? Uh, why is somebody an atheist? I guess probably the uh, the major answer to that is um, contrary to what maybe some theists will think. So, um, I'm not an atheist because I'm angry at God. I'm not an atheist because I'm a nihilist or anything like that. I'm an atheist because I'm intellectually honest. Um, the how I became an atheist, I mean, we're all born atheists, and then we're taught as kids. I was taught into the uh, Roman Catholic faith as a child. And uh, for the longest time, my mom thought I was actually going to become a priest. I, uh, you know, <laughs> we actually had arguments about that because she's still a good Catholic woman and feels full of guilt and everything, like all the time. And she would say, you know, how come you know so much about the Bible? I know more about her Bible than she does herself. And I told her, I said, Mom... Uh, as a child, you told me that when I was going to die, there was going to be a test. And it was going to be a test whether I go into a nice place or it, if I fail the test, I end up suffering for eternity in the lake of flames and stuff like that. And you told me the answers were in this book, and I was pointing at the Bible. So I studied for the test. And when I studied for the test, I realized that the test was not making any sense. The questions weren't making any sense. And then by the time I was in my early teens, and you know how your mom drags you to church every Sunday, you know, you know that feeling? She put, makes you put on your horrible clothes that you don't like, you know, you got a big sweater that you don't like to wear, and you're waking up in the morning, you don't want to go, though. you don't want to be there. And I, I, I remember distinctly one day I was in church, and if you've ever been into a Catholic church, it's, it's boring as hell. And, you know, you're, you're, you're sitting, you're standing, there's a chant, you're kneeling at some point, and you're standing again, there's a chant. And I, I was looking around as a young man, a very young man, I was like maybe 13. And, I, and I, something struck me so suddenly was all the roboticness. It was so robotic to hear the people chant. There was no passion in their voice. It was just so automatic. It was like mumbling something. There was no life in that church. And I realized at that moment, I just had that eureka moment, and I thought, nobody believes this crap. Nobody believes this. They're just here out of social convention. They're here out of fear. They're here because that's what they're told to do. And that's pretty much the start of my journey towards atheism. And then for that, at that point, you know, I started really... Taking another, I read the Bible again for a second time, which, by the way, it's a horrible read. I don't recommend it. And and you know, I, and 
it just confirmed more and more what I was doing. Uh, at that point, I, I my my atheistic I wasn't quite an atheist yet. You know, I kind of felt that there had to be an answer to the questions, and you know, I was thinking more like a, a force in the universe or something like that, a guiding hand of some kind, but not not Jesus or anything like that. And uh, hold on a sec. Ugh. I get some moderation here to pop in. Yeah, and at some point towards my 18th birthday, I realized, you know, I was actually meditating under a tree <laughs> for my 18th birthday. I know how, how much of a party, how much of a party animal am I? Uh, and and all of a sudden, I had this vision, for for lack of a better word, of you know this old dusty Bible that just broke like like shattered like glass. And as I opened my eyes, I realized I don't believe any of this. And I, I said, Oh my God, you know, I don't, I don't. <laughs> Metaphorically speaking, of course, uh, I don't believe any of this crap, and that's how I really became an atheist, a non-believer. Uh, but I only became very active in the atheistic world because, right, like I'm 46 now, so it was only like maybe about a decade ago. Uh, what I was doing, I was always um, my mother always thought of me as somebody who wanted to save the world, and that's that's quite that's kind of true actually. Uh, so uh, what I did is I was doing these uh, these um, Documentary viewings. I was picking a documentary and I was showing it for the public to the public for free. And I would invite a special guest to talk about the subject. You know whether or not it was true, whether it was fake news, whether that kind of stuff. And there was this one documentary that was a Canadian documentary that was uh, made by um, the author Joel Bakken. It was called The Corporation, and it was a very very famous documentary, Canadian documentary, was based on a book. Um, uh, under the law, a, a corporation is seen as a uh, as a, a legal person. So Joel Bakken, being a professor, basically decided to psychoanalyze what a corporation, what kind of person, if a corporation was a person, what kind of person would it be? And uh, they found, the, the conclusion was that corporations are psychopaths, and they always seem to be behind problems that we have in our society. So after doing these these documentaries and seeing like that, I decided to dig a bit deeper into corporations and why is it that we feel that corporations have the right to do whatever they do? And I came to a certain conclusion that a lot of these corporations are built on Christian values. And in the Christian Bible, there is this one line. There is this one line in Genesis that basically where God basically comes in and basically gives dominion to mankind over the rest of the world. And I, that clicked again and said, oh my God, this is it. This is why we feel as a species that we have the right to trash the place, that we have the right to do whatever we want, that we are, quote, the masters of this world. And that, that really clashed with part of my worldview because I always thought that as a species, we should be the janitors of this world, not the masters of it. You know, we're the only species that can actually take care and foresee what's going to happen to it and not necessarily rule with an iron fist. So that got me into viewing even more what, what was going on with religion, and especially Christianity. And then I stumbled upon things like uh, the wonderful Christo, uh, Christopher Hitchens and his videos on YouTube, and that just opened the floodgates to the whole atheist community, Richard Dawkins, and then into Seth Andrews, and all that. And at, at, at some point, I was listening to some of these atheist podcast and I thought some of them were absolutely horrible and I thought oh my god I can do a better show than this well turns out I can't but you know <laughs> the point is <laughs> the point is we tried so we said okay let's do a show 
let's do a, a left of the valley and let's see if we can get you know more traction going into our community although I, I gotta admit where I am in Canada we we don't face anywhere the level of theism that you'll face in the United States or even in the Philippines for that matter so we, we there is a battle up here but it's nowhere near as powerful of, of an enemy you know a lot of for, for the most part Canada uh, it's is is much more uh, secular than the America uh, America for example and that's a very interesting kind of things we do on the show. We all we have a tendency to co compare Canada and the U.S. because most of our audience is actually Canadian or American. Yeah, so that's how Left of the Valley started, and uh, we've been doing this for six years. We had to go on kind of hiatus for a while uh, because uh, because one of our well because of COVID nineteen of course, and uh, because. Uh, uh, also, uh, because uh, one of our, uh, our co-hosts, Nancy, uh, who's been with us for five years, uh, she was uh, the senior, and uh, she she basically uh, uh, passed away. So uh, she passed away uh, in June. So, uh, but now we are ramping up to start another version of Left of Valley 2.0. It's going to be me again, but it's going to be a different co-host. But uh, we'll be back very soon on the air. So that was in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, but it seems that um, your atheism is mainly based on counter arguments against Christianity, right? Nothing about Islam or Hinduism or other uh, religions. Um, I think I think all of these arguments are the same. Of course, it was faced mainly against Christianity because simply because of the geographic location where I am. Uh, had all these things happened to me if I was living in Saudi Arabia, I'm sure my arguments would be mostly against Islam. But these arguments that, that go against Christianity translate the same way against Islam or against anything because uh, even though religion is almost universal on the planet, the arguments for religion are also universal and they're also universally bad. They're bad arguments. Now, I'll, I'll quote the, the late great Christopher Hitchens with that, saying, I don't really falter or hate religion because it was our first attempt at explaining the world we live in. And for that, for, for that we have to give it to, to religion. Well, it was our first attempt to try to explain the world we live in as a primate uh, coming out and trying to understand why the world is doing this and why the volcanoes are doing this. And that's how religion started, you know. Why, why is this volcano coming, why is this mountain spinning fire and killing our people? Well, we must have done something wrong. Oh, yeah, well, this guy comes in and says, yeah, man, there's this god, this angry god underneath the mountain, and, you know, we have to appease him somehow so we can keep on planting our, our, our crops. Yeah, what's going to happen? I don't know. Let's give him something important. What do, we, what do we have that's important? Well, the most important thing we have is our lives, so how about we sacrifice someone? That's how religion started. It's just as a stupid explanation to explain why I think if natural phenomena were happening. But we are in the 21st century. We have signs now. We have better explanations. We don't have the answer to everything, but we have much better explanations. We can put religion where it belongs in the past, leave it there. No, don't go against it in that sense that, you know, it was a part of our history and acknowledge that it was a part of our history, but we have better answers. Could you imagine? I mean, today, take Christianity and Islam. They're essentially based on Bronze Age beliefs. I mean, could you imagine any other Bronze Age belief that you would have today? Bronze Age belief. Let's say some Bronze Age belief. Well, Bronze Age belief would be like, you believe at the time that there were sea monsters. Those were like a legitimate threat 
at sea. Sea monsters, that was legitimate. You believe the earth was flat. Okay, that, that was a legitimate belief. You believe that spitting on a wound would cure it. Now, could you imagine doing that today? Going to your doctor, you start spitting on your, your cut to cure it. Could you imagine saying, oh, well, you know, i got to take insurance because I've got sea monsters. I'm going, on a, I'm going on a cruise and it might be sea monsters. I better take insurance for that. That would be ridiculous. So why all these bronzies beliefs are ridiculous? Because we know that there are no sea monsters. But religion, we hold on to it. And we deal Yeah, can I ask you like what specific Bronze Age beliefs are in the Quran? The Quran? Well, the whole the whole concept of how the earth started is brought is Bronze Age. Uh, well, a lot of Muslims believe in evolution now. Oh yeah, of course. And so a lot of Catholics, right? Although there's a lot of Christians that don't. But if, if Yeah, so if, what Bronze Age beliefs does does it come from the Quran? What's that? What Bronze Age beliefs that come from the Quran? Well, the, just the idea there's an anthropomorphic deity to begin with is a Bronze Age belief, right? That somehow there's a person and he's shaped like a man or he's like somehow decides that your sexuality is somehow important to him. He created a universe, you know, out of, out of uh, what? Not, it's not even magic. It's what, technology? We don't even know. Right there, just a, just a, the belief of a all all powerful guiding force is a Bronze Age belief. Okay, are there uh, except for the theism then? Uh, what Bronze Age belief, beliefs are in the Quran as well? Well, I have to go deeper into the uh, into the uh, what the Quran sees. Uh, for for example, the Bronze Age belief of how people come to 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 be created is Bronze Age belief, right? I mean, they don't have yeah, but um, uh, but they were like, like the Quran believes in evolution or naturalistic events like the Big Bang. Yes. Well, <laughs> so I don't, I don't, what Bronze Age beliefs do they have? You, you got to be careful with that. I don't think the Quran basically says there was a Big Bang. I think I think what you have here is a, a modern interpretation in light of the science. As to what the Quran says, right? I mean, I'm pretty sure 500 years ago, you had said Big Bang to somebody, uh, to an Islamic scholar, he would have, he would have basically laughed at you, right? This is this is what religion does. When science comes in and proves a point, religion kind of backtracks and retrofits into its own scriptures. Oh yeah, of course, this is exactly what Allah meant at the time, because we have the and this is how they, they keep supporting the Quran or the Bible for that the, that matter, right? For example, the, the, the they used to say that um, they say the the, the earth, in Christianity they would say the Earth was flat. No, 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 no. The, 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 then when science said no, 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 the Earth is a sphere, then Christians came out. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what God said because He says right here, Earth is a circle. Ah, see, you're basically you 500 years ago you're telling me that the Earth is flat. But now when we prove to you the earth is a sphere, you find a way to interpret that into your book. And it's not just Christianity does that. Islam, Islam is great at doing that. Islam is even a freaking bureau that basically uh, people are dedicated to doing just that. And that's every religion. They just want to hold on to this to, to their faith because it's hard to go. How do you go to people and politely tell them that your entire worldview you based your life on is wrong? It's a hard pill to swallow. And this is why atheism gets so much hatred from religious groups because it's it's a, it's really hard pill to swallow. Okay, so I, I want to ask you, like for example, um, uh, let's throw away the 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 Bibles or the or scripture or the cultures that religions have, and let's just say someone who is a theist, mm -hmm. right? 
who believes that there is a God out there and, but doesn't have any religion, how would you disprove his theism? Well, you don't disprove the theism. First of all, he's making the claim that there is something out there. It's his burden. Of, yeah. He has to prove yeah. there is. I mean, uh, don't get me wrong. As an atheist, I'm going to say this right now, okay? I don't think there is a God out there. I can't prove there isn't, right? Like, I can't prove there isn't Thor out there. I can't prove there isn't Wotan out there or Odin or Zeus or Allah. I can't prove there isn't a person out there. But right now, from what we know, there is no reason to believe there is. And especially when it comes to the Abraham, uh, Abraham God, the really if 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 there is a character like Allah or or Jesus or whatever, he or she is exactly as the Bible or the Quran describes them, then there is a very very low probability of this person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Like, let's assume that um, we're not talking about Abrahamic religions. Let's just say uh, someone who's a deist yeah. who believes that there's a a, a God out there. Yeah. How would you? Sure. How would you say that? Tell him that I think there's no God. Why do you I think? Would, that? I wouldn't say that. I would. The first question I would ask him is, say, okay, well, what, why do you? Why do you think that? What? How? Do you yeah. Okay. Conclusion that there is a God, and of course. Well, I could give a lot of um, uh, arguments for theists. Yes, of course, but there are usually okay. there's usually arguments from ignorance, right? The same way that 500 years ago, like. You know, well, not really. The, the, for example, there are a lot of philosophical arguments for theism, like, for example, the Kalam cosmological argument. Mm. But the thing is, the thing is, you see, you shouldn't, you shouldn't need to take refuge into the philosophy, into philosophy or philosophical argument to prove your deity. It should be very apparent, right? If there is one religion, if there is one God out there, why are we all disputing ourselves about all these other religions? It should be incredibly obvious. Right? It should be incredibly obvious that there is a God out there doing things, especially if he or she is interacting with us. But the thing is... is well, well, um, that's a should statement, but um, for example, if I was a God, who would tell me what, what I would want to do? So, so if, for example, if you set a standard that, oh, this is what God should be, or this is what God should do, but the the fact is that you're not you're not the one setting standards for God. No, you right. I'm not it. setting the standards. They are setting the standards, right? They are the ones telling me that their God is all loving, or their God is this, and their God is that. Okay, well. Yeah, but you know, like, but we're not talking about the 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 Abrahamic religion. Abraham. We're just talking about. Could be any God, right? Could be any God. For example, you know, we we could be talking about Thor. You know, oh, Thor protects us from this, or Thor protects us from that. Well, really, I mean, I don't see. Well, no, not no, not 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 a specific god. Just someone who believes that there might be a god out there, not not anyone in specific. Oh, and so and you know what? That's you know, I, I to be su superbly honest with this, that could be entirely possible. I think I think it's very improbable. But it's entirely possible. I, to be, if I have to be in, intellectually honest, I have to admit there is a slim chance that I could be wrong on this, and there could be actually be some kind of divine force out there. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so in a way that you don't really think that there's no God out there, but there just a, that there might be a slim chance that there. Um, how do I word this? For everything that we observe at this point, it points to me to the idea that there isn't anything out there. Now, somebody was to come to me with definitive proof that there is something out there, then my, my abilities would change. I would say, okay, there is something out there. There is like a force or whatever you want to describe it as. Okay, and he, we have we have evidence to believe so. And that that is essentially the intellectually honest position to take. So I, at that point, I wouldn't, if, if for example, I don't know, we, we, there's a God X, 
and there's there's ample su sufficient uh, hard to refute proof about this this character out there that I would stop being an atheist. I was okay. So it seems that you know, from what we can understand, there is this character out there. Uh, and okay, now what does he or she want? That would be my position. I would stop being an atheist. I would believe in the person. I would not necessarily become a worshiper, but at least I would understand that there is something out there. But at this point, where we stand right now, there is nothing that basically proves to me that there is. Okay, but what would be definitive proof for you to believe in a god? Well, those are those are good those are good questions. I mean, I, I could ask for something like absolutely extraordinary, like you know, depending on the the, the characters of a god, right? Uh, first of all, just his uh, assuming assuming that we're talking about uh, a anthropomorphic, intellectually open and capable of, capable capable of communicating with us. Okay. Okay. You know that would happen. You know, if there'd be some kind of communication, some kind of some kind of something. Okay, okay, that'd be that'd be that'd be something to begin with. Uh, if if for example we're talking about, uh, are we still talking about like a theistic kind of nebulous god here, or are we talking about something more specific? Yeah. Okay. Uh, any any god that you would uh, okay. Well, let, argue for. Let's 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 talk for example about the Abrahamic god, right? Okay. Uh, the Abrahamic god, for example, is characterized very specifically. Right, he's characterized as omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. Right, so if 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 this this character, this God, was to exist, I don't need uh, to know what kind of evidence I would need to believe in him, because he would know. Right, Allah would know what he needs to do to make me believe, because he's uh, because he's he's. He's uh, uh, he's uh, everywhere and he knows everything. So he knows what I need for evidence, right? So he knows what everybody needs to believe in him, right? So it would be very easy, and especially he's all powerful. It'd be very easy for him to I don't know pull back the veil of the sky and say, "Hey guys, it's Allah here. You guys need to stop fighting about. You need to stop killing yourselves. By the way, Islam is the true religion, and uh, this is, you need to listen to Muhammad. Muhammad. That's all he needs to do." And atheism would just die right there. There'd be no more atheists. There'd be no more religious wars. There'd be no more killing in the name of God. It would just happen. And if if there is a God out there, especially one that's described as loving, compassionate, and cares about us, it would have been done already. But it hasn't. It hasn't. So either the, it comes to two conclusions at that point. Either that God that you describe as all-passionate, all-powerful is just not there, or it's something else entirely. So it's just being intellectually honest. I mean, if if if, uh, if Allah and Mohammed were to walk in my door tomorrow morning and say, "Hey, Kev, by the way, you need to stop doing your atheist show, and this is what you need to do, and you need to pray towards Mecca, and etc., uh, etc.," et I would say, "Okay, cool. Sorry, my bad. I was wrong. That's all there is to it." It's not because I'm angry at them. It's not because I'm a nihilist. It's not because I'm I believe I'm the god or whatever. No, no, no. It's just I'm just being intellectually honest. Here. So in a way that um in your your intellectual honesty brings you to not believe in the Christian or Abrahamic God. Well, all gods really. Uh, you gotta remember one thing. Atheism is not a worldview. Okay. I know it, 
it's hard to believe for a lot of uh, a lot of theists, but it's not a worldview. Atheism is just one answer to one specific question. That's it. I am, after all, my worldview, I'm a humanist. My, the way I think, I'm a skeptic. And as a skeptic, I've come to atheism as my conclusion on the one question of, is there a God? That is it. That is the answer. So if that, if if skeptically I was to evaluate different information and different evidence, and I would come to a different conclusion, say, okay, you know what? I'm no longer an I'm no longer an atheist. I have sufficient proof to convince me there is a God. Then I would become a theist. Yeah. So, um, for example, if uh, uh aside from the your arguments against the Christ the Abrahamic God, what are your other arguments do you have for the non-Abrahamic God? <sighs> You'll have to be a bit more specific for that question, because yeah, okay, the non-Abraham. Yeah. For example, just um, let's say the the ultimate cause of the universe, that God. Okay. Um, the, the the answer is quite simple, and I know it's a hard it's a hard answer for a lot of people to understand. Uh, but it's the, the answer is, is we don't know. That's all there is to it. We don't know yet. We don't know yet, right? Because when people say, well, it had to be God to create the universe, these are the same people that a thousand years ago were saying, well, of course it has to be Zeus for lightning. How else do you explain lightning? You explain lightning, right? How how do you explain lightning if it's not for Zeus? Well, that's the same thing with the universe. How do you explain the universe in the Big Bang if not for God? It's because we don't know, and that's a that's an honest answer. And it does it's yeah. Not, so um, you're referring to the God of gaps theory that the people use. Yes, absolutely. Because as a species, we prefer a bad answer to a non-answer. It sucks, but it's true. That's how that's how we are as a species. Uh, we we like to have an answer if it's even if it's the wrong one. We prefer that to not having an answer. Uh, unfortunately, it's not intellectually honest. The re the 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 reality is, uh, we don't know. We don't know yet. We have some clues. We have some hypotheses about how it happened. Uh, we don't know exactly how abiogenesis happened. We have some theories about it. Some hypotheses, I should say. Not not theories, but hypotheses. We okay. Talk about. But um, now now that we're talking about theories, what if someone says that okay, I have a theory that God created the universe. Would that be intellectually dishonest to have a theory well okay well <laughs> of course when you talk theory and especially when you talk about matters of science you got to remember you know if you talk theory as a in mean theory as a guess what you have to say is hypothesis right that's what you have if you have a hypothesis that that a god created the universe that's great now you have that set out there and prove it you have to okay so um when i say theory like for example there are tons of studies tons of philosophical works on it and um uh, we have been all always been talking about god so it seems that it is it is quite a viable theory well yeah but you know just because we have always been talking about it doesn't necessarily mean we're right all this time right yeah exactly but that that's that goes with science but it's a theory right that doesn't have to mean that it's perfect well if if you mean like i said we have to be we've got to be careful here right if you mean if you're taking an educated guess uh, it's a it's a hypothesis that's what it is. a theory a scientific theory is something different scientific theory is something that's actually been demonstrated to be true so if if you're going to say i have a theory that uh, that a god created the universe well then you then you need to show me the what the actual proof that you have because that's what a scientific theory is if you're saying theory in the sense that the colloquialism that we that you use every day in English language, what you're basically saying is you have a guess. You have an educated guess, which, of course, in science term is hypothesis. So we got to be careful with that, especially when you're in English. That's, that's, always a, that's always a problem. Okay, so if I say that I have an educated guess that God created the universe, would, that, would, that, would I be wrong to say that? Would that be intellectually no, dishonest? No, no, it's not wrong. You, you can actually have that, uh, that uh, 
that HK guess, that, that hypothesis. You have a hypothesis, and people do have that hypothesis that, that, that there's a outside force, intelligent outside force that created the universe. Okay, now how do you set up to prove it? That's 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 the that's where the, the the rubber meets the road. How do you set out to prove it? And you say, you just say, well, how else do you explain the universe? Well, that's not proof. That's not proof. Okay, that's just that's just debating the semantics. Uh, if you if you say, okay, well, I have X document and I have X measurements measuring this and I have X you know uh, uh, demonstrated things, then 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 you you start to have something. You start to have something akin to, to a formula or something to akin to some kind of proof. But that's not what they usually use the God of the gap argument. Well, how was it? Yeah, okay. But um, now that we're talking about proofs, what would uh, qualify as a proof for for you? For anything, like what what would prove something? What would prove something? Well, proof is something that you can actually demonstrate and repeat in an experiment, uh, in a controlled experiment, right? For example, we, 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 we can observe evolution and we can even reproduce evolution uh, on, a, on a very small scale. Uh, and we have documented evidence and we have, you know, uh, physical evidence. And and you gotta remember, even evolution, for example, is a scientific theory. But uh, th there might come a time in the future where we might come to a point that we might have to revise evolution. That's unlikely, but it could happen because you know science scientific theories are always uh, open to um, um, how how do I put this? They're always open to be uh, perfected, you know, because what 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 improves science is better science, right? Nobody's ever went to uh, to a person and said, "Oh, I've disproved your scientific argument with my knowledge of the Bible or the or the Quran or any other theistic book." That's never happened, right? So if 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 you're gonna work with these these uh, uh, with proof, you gotta come with something tangible. You gotta come with something measurable. You gotta come with something that you can actually mm -hmm. repeat. Yeah, but I have a question: Has macroevolution been proven to be systematically uh, and demonstrated to repeat yeah. itself? There's, there's no nothing as there's no such thing as macroevolution. There's just evolution. that macroevolution is something that theists came out because to d distinguish between micro and macro. And at first, yeah, but um, but the question is: Have we witnessed it? Something that that, that from uh, a species evolving into a different kind of species. We have, or, but we have in terms of like huge family groups. No, well, we have, but it's... we haven't proven it yet. We haven't seen that sort that process in that scale. Of course not, because it takes it takes forever to, for it to happen, right? It, it, it... Yeah. So it, so in a way that um it it hasn't been proven yet. Only micro evolution has been proven. Well, like I said, first of all, like, there is no such thing as micro or macro. It is just evolution, and we have ma managed to make some small species evolve, like bacteria and even some mosquitoes have actually and some fruit flies and stuff like that. But the, the, the reason we've been able to do that is because these species have very short lifespan and evolution takes umpteen generations for something like that to happen under constant environment. Yeah, but uh, yes, but that doesn't mean that uh, also also so is the Big Bang. It's been it's like a billion years old but, uh, years ago, but uh, to be able to say that something is demonstra demonstrably true and re repetitive in a in a process then for example you would you would have to say that you have proven proven evolution to be a fact or even the the scale for that a family uh, of species of uh, animals evolved into another family or a kind 
I don't know the taxonomy. It, 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 like I said, it has happened on on small organisms. Yeah, exactly. But in order for you to in, to say that it happens in 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 large scales, you would have to demonstrate that as your standard suggests. Well, we, we the fossil record demonstrates that, and that's why we re, we rely on that. I mean, we could demonstrate an elephant species evolving to another elephant species, but that would take millions and millions of years. And we've only had a hundred, somewhat two hundred, three hundred years of science. So it's only because we don't we didn't have the time at this point, nor could we do a study over a million years. But the fossil record shows that the 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 hypothesis of evolution was correct and that's why we were yeah okay okay so i i agree with you i agree with you that um proof doesn't just come from something that is demonstrated but you can infer from the evidence like fossil records and stuff like that yeah but you know i would argue that the fossil record did demonstrate that evolution happened okay so uh, th- then the question is like for example um what kind of uh demonstration is that is it um empirical Is it a, a, a rational epistemology? Because, for example, if we are to like uh, uh, say d- define what proof is, um, I could prove to you that one plus one equals two not by empirical evidence, but by other forms of ev- of proof. Oh boy! Wow, that's a that's a that's a that's a tough question. Um, and frankly, I don't think I'm actually equipped to uh, actually. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we well. can change topics, like. I I want to ask though, um, you know, like um, for example, um, uh, as a humanist, in I think that are you more of a utilitarian or um, an ob- a realist? What would be your definition of util- utilitarian? A utilitarian, the greatest good for great for the greatest number. Of- uh, and your definition of uh, realist? Realist that there's some um, objective morality out there with, but but that doesn't have to infer that there's a god. There's just an. I would be probably yeah. more utilitarian at that point. Um, uh, do I believe there are objective morals? No, I don't. And the reason the reason I don't believe there's objective morals, uh, and of course I know some people will jump in. Oh well, you mean rape is okay in some certain circumstances? No, that's not what I mean. What I do mean is we have to remember that we have a tendency to look at ourselves as individuals, uh, but the, the human species is a social species to begin with. If, for example, there was uh, another species that was to evolve side by side with us, but a, a species that did not need to rely on other members of its own tribe to survive. Let's say, for example, tigers. Tigers are solitary. They're solitary creatures. They live by themselves most of the time. They only need once in a while to reproduce, and that's it. So if a tiger was to evolve into a society, Uh, let's let's put like millions and billions of years, and somehow tigers, under some kind of pressure, manage to become more intelligent and more. But they remain somewhat solitary in their in their uh, their lifestyle. They're not a social species like us. Their morality set would be extremely different from ours. Their values would be also extremely different from ours. You can th- use the same example for an alien species. You know, let's take um, an alien that uh, even from um, from Hollywood. Um, let's take uh, aliens from uh, the Predators. Remember the Predators from Arnold Schwarzenegger movie? What kind of morality do you think they have? They would have a very different morality than ours. Would you say that they have a morality that's objectively good or bad? You can't apply that. You can't apply objective because the morality applies to their species. And they are like this. So we do think 
that murder and rape and these bad things that we think is bad are objective because it applies objectively to the species. But it's not an, object, an objective thing when you compare it to the rest of the animal kingdom. Uh, a, a predator, for example, uh, for, for, let's keep that Hollywood thing going on there, uh, doesn't seem to have any problem with killing another one of its species because it seems to be much more of a solitary animal than human. It seems to be much more of a uh, loner uh, than humans. Humans need each other to survive. So we understand full well that killing a member of your own tribe just weakens the tribe as a whole. We understand that. That's why we say that murder is bad. And that's, uh, this is why we, we, we have a tendency to think of, as, uh, of it as objective morality. But a reality is it's subjective to the species as compared to the rest of the animal kingdom. Do, do you think that's how um, humans think right now? That, for example, oh, my my father died. Oh, th I, th that's a waste for the society. No, no. Is that... No, no people, are, people are much more uh, self-centered than that. But it doesn't change the it doesn't change the aspect that humanity as a whole is a social species, right? Uh, but there are some things that we do evolve, for lack of a better term, on on our, our things. For example, um, you know, let's say for example somebody showed up at your your let's say your brother, your brother showed up at your front door, um, five hundred years ago, and he's got the head of some of his enemies that he just decapitated. And he would say, "Can you help me? Can you can you help me hide the body?" You know, chances are you probably would. Uh, but today, if your brother showed that to you tomorrow or tomorrow morning. Chances are you would you would say, "Dude, you got to give yourself in. You got you got to call the police. You got to give yourself up. You got to face the music." Why why is that sudden change there? Why it's it's because we we understand much more today, for the good of the species, what we need to do, even if it's somebody that's very close to your family. You know, we we have a different sense of a different sense of morality. So essentially, our moral judgments has evolved as well, for lack of a better term, into what it is today. Uh, for example, so let's say that for example, um, it's just I I grew up in a desert alone, right? And I I found another person who also grew up in a desert alone, and are so. I will uh, will my morality be based on society? Yeah, so it, but it would be like shaped by the environment, I guess. Well, it would. It would be you know at that point your morality would be based on pretty much like the tiger, you know, survival of you and only you, right? Because and then of course the thing is, is you were raised by the desert by yourself, you would have no knowledge of what humanity is. You would have no knowledge of what society is either. If you understand what society is, and if you understand the history of how we came to be and how we got to where we are, I mean, everything that we have right now, including the computer you and I are talking on right now, we didn't build this. I didn't build the computer, and neither did you. We're using it because we're just resting on the shoulders of giants. This, this collective knowledge, and it's probably one of the greatest gifts humanity has, is being passed on from generation to generation, and it's a secret to our success. If we were a very individualistic and a different, uh, a different kind of solitary species, we would not have this kind of technology. It's only because we're social species and we can share this knowledge, and we can have a collective memory and retain this and pass it on to, next, to, to generation to generation, that we're able to um, rise above simply being a primate in the plains. It's just because we're a social species. And this, of course, has, of course, as well, uh, affected our moral uh, landscape. So um, when you, for example, say that there is there are no objective morals and everything is, in a way, um, 
utilitarian, you know. Well, so, you for know, example, it, I gotta say that's that's only my point of view. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But from what I see, from where I stand, I could be. I'm no expert on the subject. I'm just a schmo, right? But you know, from what I see, and from what from my what life tells me, and what I've observed, and what I you know when I talk to philosophers and all that, seems to me, in my opinion, that we it doesn't seem to be an objective morality. Yeah. So, for example, um. Uh, when you talk about so when you talk about there's no objective morality, then for example, I assume that you have your own ob- subjective morality that determines your life's choices, right? Uh, yeah. Let's let's be more specific again here. When I say there is no objective morality, there is no objective morality as far as as as, as far as the universal scale is. There's an objective morality as far as the species is concerned, right? We all we kind of all agree that killing is not good, right? So we can see that as objective. But is it objective to the point of it applies universally? Probably not. So when you, so if you ask me if I have subjective morality myself, oh, I guess I guess I do. I I have subjective morality. Uh, as uh, as as far as I'm concerned, as long as my moral judgment or my moral decision doesn't affect uh, other people around me, right? Like my father would say, you know, your ends right where other the rights of others begin. You know, I could I could be very selfish about myself, uh, but when it gets to a point where, you know, I my selfishness starts to affect other people around you, then eventually, you know, you have to correct the course, otherwise you kind of shun from society in a way. Yeah, and I, I'm really curious though, for example, because you... S- you 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 earlier you said that there's an objective morality for society but not for the universe and then but you also have a subjective morality for yourself that is separate from society uh, oh yeah i think i think you know as a whole everybody kind of looks out for number one first right we always try to you know uh, uh, we, i always try to do what's best for me of course at first and everybody is like that too there, there, i think there is a and this, this is where philosophy becomes a bit nebulous there is a bit of a breaking point though where sometimes altruism comes in and then we have to start thinking about doing what's best for the whole right i mean would you take a bullet for your child of course you would of course you would well even though you have subjective morality most of the time for yourself you know, you try to do what's best for yourself. You try to pick the your 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 place where you want to eat or whatever. But there is a point where you want you 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 shun that aside, and then you go for the greater good. You know, especially when it comes to like family members or something like that, or even sometimes for the whole of society. Okay, so for example, um, I want to know like what does being a humanist mean to you? What is it? Oh, uh, humanist is basically say pro-human, really. Uh, there's, there's not much to it. Um, I think it's, it's pro, like pro-human. For example, um, if I were a psychopath and the and my 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 humanity is to kill children, would that would you be pro-human? Uh, well, yeah, yes and no. I mean, would I would I would I would I lock you up? Yes, but you know, I think one of the things also that would it's one of the interesting uh, aspects of our society. Uh, you take for example Canada and the U.S. Uh, Canada has a uh, rehabilitation system when it comes to something like that. As the U.S., for example, they have more of a uh, uh, penal system when it comes to their jail system, right? So, you know, I would try to understand, as, for example, Elmo's a, Elmo's a psychopath also, and he just hung up with me and became a psychopath. He went on a kill free. Mm-hmm. I, I think and once you're captured, you know, it's it's easy to just put a bullet in your head and be done with it. But I, th- mm-hmm. I also think that Elmo has some value. 
So maybe, you know, if, if we can't cure him, at least maybe we can study him enough to understand to prevent the next Elmo. Right, and I think that that's that's a pro-human thing to do. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, um, wh- what do you what is, what do you mean by pro-human? What is that? For helping how can you... helping the species as a whole. So you're racist, I guess. The race, the human race, pro-human race. Yeah, yeah. Well, you gotta be careful with those words too. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, I, 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 I totally understand, and I understand what you mean because there is, uh, first of all, I, I find it funny when people are racist because there is no such thing as a race. The Human Genome Project in 2011 distinctly proved this only one race right now of humans there was more than one race but right now there's... what i meant by racist but is that that you're you're pro-human race i i, I, w- I want to do what's best for the for, for humanity and the human race and even if even if so it's going against your own self so what is the best for the human race what is the ideal human race society oh boy <laughs> that's a good question because like for example you propose a direction towards the best for the human race but where does that best lead to what is that best yeah i i, th- I think i think that 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 becomes a very good question and it kind of brings us full circle in a way too uh what's best for the human race is what i uh, when i said earlier that uh we had a tendency to when when uh, the christian god for example in the bible says that uh, humanity has dominion over all the other creatures i think that was a mistake I think we need to realize as a species that we were never meant to be the masters of this world. We were just meant to be the caretakers of it. And I think that is the best for the species. Uh, when when we are at our best, when humanity is at our best, there are some times in the history when you look at it, it's when we explore. It's when we discover things. It's not when we conquer. It's not when we're masters of things. It's when we dis- dis- explore unknown possibilities. It's when we start answering questions that we've had since the dawn of time. That is when humanity is at its best. And it's not going to go that way if we keep thinking that we're the boss of everything. If you think... Yeah, okay. But then, um, so the best for the human race is exploring the universe and um, be treating other animals as equals? Um, not... Ah, boy. Treating other animals as equals is not exactly what I had in mind. Um, when I say we're supposed to be the caretakers of the universe... It's a bit self-serving, right? We're so, we're supposed to. The, the thing is, we can we can party on this planet all we want, but if we destroy the planet, we destroy all the other animal species. We destroy ourselves too. So it's self-serving to say we need to take care of the planet because we need to take care of humanity. It's the only place we have, right? Nobody wants to live in a dirty house. You need to clean house, and you need to realize that unfortunately we are symbiotic in some sense to the rest of the uh, the uh, web of life. Uh, we we if for example we uh, you, um, destroy bees for example we're gonna have a really really hard time surviving if we destroy bees but bees you know it's yeah but just to clarify you're not you're not pro vegan right no no do I do I think that we we no I mean part of eating meat is what actually got us to where we are uh, but I do think they come they will come a time that uh, we won't they won't be necessary for us to um, raise animals and butcher them and slaughter them. To get a protein in- injection, you know, uh, we we we've already got some of the technology that's very promising that can help us overcome that. You know, there won't be a. Uh, there won't, I'm thinking in the future, won't, there won't be a need for us to start raising cows. We'll be able to actually create meat out of simply reproducing a, a cellular uh, muscle, essentially. So I think I think. So so in a, in like in a, in a few sentences, can you describe what is the be- ideal or best 
society for the human race that you proposing mm, boy that's a good question the best society uh i'm not a seer so i, I don't know yeah. i think I th yeah but I, like I, what I what what, what what do you want to happen like what is yeah. the best for you uh, I hope I hope our society leads somewhere close to what the uh, Gene Roddenberry imagined in Star Trek. I hope that our society will head that way. That eventually we'll start heading out. Will the, you know, there won't be a need for an, an economy on this planet? Uh, people will start pursuing things not because of wealth and material gain, but the benefit of themselves. You know, try to become a better person, which was always the intent also of education to begin with. And I, th I hope that eventually we start exploring the unknown possibilities, not necessarily exploring space per se, but exploring what is out there and trying to understand more and more. That's what I'm hoping as a society we strive towards. So uh, what made you th makes you think that that should be the, the direction the human race should take? Well, like I said, the, 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 reason, the reason I think that is because it seems to me, and then, like I said, it's only my opinion, that's how we've been at our best. At, at, our, at our core, it's when we were the dreamers, it's when we were the explorers that we are at our best. And so why, why, why stop there? You know, we've always, every one of us has stood up as a child and looked and said, oh, I wonder what happens, what's over there over the horizon. Every, every one of us has said that. We, it's a natural instinct okay. to explore. But um, it seems to me that um, it, the, the end goal is glory, right? You explore for glory, you, con you conquer uh, pl other planets or, no, no. or discover stuff for glory. Not for glory, for so, knowledge. For knowledge, it's okay. It's, it's uh, filling the gap, answering the questions. That's what it's for. Of course, so we'll do it for glory. So I guess so. You're saying that the the best or ideal society for humanity is where we are all not all knowing, right? Because that's the ultimate goal to know everything. We'll never know everything. We'll never. Yeah, we'll we'll never know. But like for example, like the best we could do would be to know everything, because information is the goal, right? <sighs> And the maximum goal is having the maximum information. Um, no, because having that information is essentially a tool. It's a tool for us to, to help us survive. You know, the reason we explore medicine is because so we can heal better, so we can live longer. And we can live longer so we can prosper as a society, right? And knowledge is okay. in that sense too. It's not for us to become gods or anything like that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It yeah. to be where you were kind of heading there with that with a line of no, no, I wasn't. Like, I was, I was like uh, looking for uh, what makes, what is the ultimate good for you. So you, you, you mentioned that, um, like longer lives. Is that immortality or just maybe two hundred plus two hundred plus three hundred years? It's not. It's it's not necessarily an end goal. It's just a natural instinct that we have. We all want to survive as a species. We are an animal species, right? Let's face it. And we all want to yeah. survive as a species. We all want to reproduce. We all want to pass on our genes. And that is the best weapon that we have to get to attain that goal. So it's a very it's 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 a very intellectual answer for a very primitive need, if that makes any sense. Okay. So in a way that um your end goal is to follow what evolution told us to do? Yeah, that's all we can do. That's all we can do. So in a way that you're you're not free to do what you want because you're following what a an accidental event told you to do. 
pretty much in a sense yeah and now we can have a very interesting conversation with jerry corden whether or not we have free will right yeah yeah i know right it's mind-boggling when you think about it that way but (laughs) yeah anyways um other than i i i seem to have a good idea of your humanism and the audience probably loved here listening to you talking about star trek (laughs) (laughs) and i want to ask you um another question because you mentioned free will Now this is a good topic. Do you have free will, or do or like do you believe you have free will? And you know what? To be quite honest, I don't know. I really don't know. I, I really okay. wish I had a better answer for you, but the, the reality is, I don't know. I I, <laughs> I like the idea of having free will, but yeah. the, the case that Jerry Coyne makes is compelling, and it's beyond my knowledge. So, okay. I to be inter- intellectually honest, I just don't know. So how about we rant some like bad religions, some really bad made. <laughs> And I, I, I have I hate some religions, dude. Like to be honest, like I, this podcast is fair for all, but there are just some that suck. Oh, you know, it sucks so much. Any ideas? And the worst part is, is I don't know, I don't know how long you've been an atheist at the moment. It seems no, I'm not an atheist really. Oh, you're not. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know about you, but uh, for for atheists out there, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, the longer you are an atheist, the more absurd religion becomes. It just becomes mm-hmm. more and more ridiculous. It's like, oh my god! And then I, I started looking at myself, thinking, you know, like when I was a kid, and I, I, I used to, of course, I was raised in Roman Catholic, so I used to know the Bible very, very well. And it's like, oh, I can't believe all this time I wasted on this stupidity. I, I feel I, I'm embarrassed. I'm actually half, half the time embarrassed. Like, oh my god, I can't believe I can see this earlier. Why did it take me so long to realize this? Right. So, anyway, let's wrap on 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 uh, on bad religions. Which one do you want to tackle with? Okay, how about like um, Jehovah's Witnesses? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I'm just I'm just so annoyed because like for example, um, they they go to your houses to uh, convert to you, but when you go to their church and like share share your own beliefs, they'll kick you out. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I usually Jehovah's. Well, I mean, uh, right now I'm in an apartment building, so they don't come to my door. But when they did, I usually invite them in. I invite them in. Okay. okay you put your Bible yeah. on the floor there. We're not gonna. We're just gonna talk man to man. Don't 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 open your book. Let's just talk about what you know and what you think you mm-hmm. know. And you know, by the time I'm through with them, they want to leave. Yeah. Places to go and stuff like that. All right, you, you go, and I usually never see them back. So. <laughs> But you know, I feel I, I feel bad for them. You know, I, I I really do. I understand in their mind any any religious, not just the Jehovah's Witnesses. I know they they want to help the world and save the world and all that. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, is a lot of people never gave it much thought. Religion appeals to emotion. It makes you mm-hmm. feel comfortable, and that's the thing. It does. Life is not necessarily comfortable. There are sometimes when it is, and it's great. But there's sometimes when you get some harsh truth and you have to just, you know, it knocks you down, but it's about getting back up and facing the music nonetheless. And religion kind of gives you an escape from that. Uh, I was, uh, we have a, a lot of problems with, in the atheism community, for example, with death. Because, you know, it's a lot easier for, for a theist to say, oh, he's in a better place now. She's in a better place now. You'll see him again. It gives them hope. We know it's a lie. We know it's not true. But, you know, you can't go to somebody who's grieving and say, oh, yeah, I'm really sorry about 
Nancy dying, but you'll never see her again. It sucks, but it's reality. And I think that deep yeah. down inside, we all know this on, a, on an instinctual level. We all know this. This is why we all grieve and we all cry when somebody dies close to us. If we actually truly, truly believed that you would see this person again, though, why would you cry for this person's death? You'd be, you know, if you actually truly, truly believed they were in a better place and they were free from harm and they were just waiting for you to join them, why would you be sad? That never made sense to me, right? Why would I be sad? If, if I truly believe my co-host Nancy just passed away of cancer, right? If, if, and it saddens me, I, 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 I love the fact that I met her in my life. She was one of my best friends and I miss her terribly and I know I will never see her again. Uh, but if if I was to believe as a theist that she's just on a cloud somewhere and playing a harp or something stupid like that, and I'm gonna see her again when I when my time comes, why would I be sad? I'd be looking forward to it. It's almost like meeting an old friend you haven't seen for 20 years. Like, oh man, I can't wait to see Brian, right? I can't wait to see Brian. I'm so I got so many things to tell him. Well, why would I be sad about me seeing Nancy if I truly truly believe that? Because I, personally, and this is my opinion, I don't think we do. Mm -hmm. I don't think any of us actually does. I think we just tell mm -hmm. ourselves that to make us feel comfortable a little bit. But deep down inside, on an instinctual level, and I'm, I'm very precise about this, I think we already know. I think we already know this is the end and we'll never see this person again. And that's why we cry. That's why we mourn. But like I said, that's my opinion. Um, Kevin, like it's been almost an hour now. And... Um... I just want to uh, ask you one last question and uh, okay so um being an atheist that you are and that you have an awesome uh show the left at the valley oh, um and please I'll send you that yeah and please <laughs> yeah and please plug and please plug after yes, of course. um the last question is um being that host um what good message or like what good difference do you should people make in this world, you know, to make it the best place possible. Okay, okay. Uh, boy, that's a good question. I will, I will tell you one thing. I, I will not, I won't go into something, something philosophical or specific, but I will tell you what the show has changed in my life, and hopefully that will inspire people to do the same in their life. Um, like I said, um, I've always been the kind of guy who wanted to help the world, right? And uh, even my mother used to say that. Kevin wants to save the world all the time. And and that show, Becoming an Atheist, um, and doing that show has opened incredible doors for me. I've uh, I've met intellectual giants. I've interviewed legends. Uh, and it never, ever, ever would have happened had it not been for that little podcast. Uh, you know, I've discovered a, a whole a slew of friends mostly virtual, that I've, I've met like on Facebook and stuff like that, some fantastic people with fantastic advice and caring and loving. And if if not for that podcast, I never would have met these people. I never would have, you know, I never would have had tea with uh, Richard Dawkins. I never would have interviewed James Randi and you know, all, these, all these great, great intellectual giants and characters. And it's enriched my life tenfold. And I'm really, really grateful that I did that. And life begins outside your comfort zone. Uh, mm -hmm. I had to go outside my comfort zone to do this little show. And it's it's opened incredible doors, including this conversation I'm having with you right now. 
You know, yeah. the show, we never would have had this conversation. We never would have met. I never would have had the, you know, this fascinating discussion about my points of view on life and so many other things with you. And isn't that one of the biggest things about humanity, the exchange of ideas? Yeah. Yep. So don't be afraid to go out there and just put yourself out. It, it, I know a lot of people go and do podcasts in the hope they'll become famous. Well, I know full well I'll never become famous. And it never was the point of it. The point was always to, if I can uplift the conversation and I can help others rise as well. Rising tides lifts all ships. If I can help raise the water, then we can all float a bit higher, us, not just atheists, but humanity as a whole. We can all start conversing better. We can start reviving the art of conversation. We can actually start debating good points instead of wasting our time in front of television listening to Donald Trump. You know? <laughs> so I have to put that in there. So I think I think you, you need not to be afraid out to, to go out there and start conversing. Be uh, polite as much as you can, you know, and I know sometimes some topics get really, really testy and sometimes you just want to but you know, the spoken word is probably one of the greatest inventions that we ever had as a species, and we live in a, 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 an era today where technology makes us makes it easy for us to isolate each other. Maybe you should do the other way. Use that technology to use the spoken word and converse with other primates on the planet, and listen to their stories. You know, and you'll find out that their stories are not that much different than yours. Hopefully, that answered your question. <laughs> Yeah, and um, Kevin, anything you can plug? Yeah, sure. Uh, if you guys like the kind of uh, intellectual debacle that we just had there, <laughs> 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 right, it's called Left of the Valley. You can uh, you used to be able to do it at leftofvalley.com, but the, the shows the the, the the links been debunked. So don't go there. It kind of sends you to a sex show now or something. I'm not even sure what it is. I'll have to revive that. <laughs> but you can find us on on uh, Blog Talk, uh, Stitcher, Spreaker, uh, YouTube, all the places where they find the they play podcasts. You can find us Left of the Valley. Yeah, and uh, Kevin, thank you so much for being on my podcast. It's been great talking to you, bro. So that's the end of it. Thanks for tuning in, guys. This is your host, Elmo Ador Jr., and thank you for listening in and please subscribe please follow us on facebook please please follow this please thanks, thanks.